Good morning, everyone. Good to see you today, this beautiful morning. Um, I've got some water I think I'm going to be drinking in a little bit, if you don't mind. My eyes are kind of swollen and my throat is scratchy. I don't have a cold, but my eyes are swollen because I cried all Friday night because the Dodgers lost, and then I, <laughs> I rejoiced all day yesterday when they won and they're in the World Series. Are there any other Dodger fans around here? Any, any others that are not Dodger fans? <clears throat> but, but wish you were? Yeah, wish you were? Yeah, okay, thank you. I need something a little stronger than that, probably, if it's going to be talking about Dodgers. Speaking of watching television, there was a, a TV program that was pretty popular a number of years ago, about five years ago. I didn't usually go to, to watch it, but I would often catch Lori watching it, and then I would first be mad at her, for, and then I would join in, and it was captivating, and I'd watch it all the time. Um, it's called What Not to Wear. Do you, do you remember that? It's, it's like a train wreck. You just can't take your eyes off of it. You know, it, it's where they find somebody that is just pretty sorry in the way they dress and present themselves, and they do a whole makeover. They give them, you know, makeup and hair and teeth and eyes and wardrobe and all that kind of thing. And, and you can't help but just kind of be embarrassed for them at first, you know, when they walk in the door and they're, and they're dressed like they're dressed. And then they go to the person's closet. And they start ravaging through the closet. And then it's like, oh my goodness, they, that's not just one outfit. They've got a whole thing of that. And, <laughs> and um, it, it's like, they, the, the amazing thing is they think they're pretty cool. You know, it's like, this, this really, uh, you know, my inner being really comes out when I, when I wear this muumuu, you know. And, <laughs> and it's like, wow, okay. And, and, the, and the two professionals just insult them the whole time and make it fun. I, I, I really, for some reason, I like that. And it, <laughs> So I can pray for them for being so mean but, and pick up some pretty good jokes. But anyway, what, what always cracks me up is, is how, the, how frustrated they get in this, in this process. And they, you know, they're trying to show them where to buy their clothes and what to wear, what not to wear, what to buy, what not to buy. And they're like, oh, they start grrr, oh. It's like those fluorescent orange tie-dyed parachute pants were so important to me. And I hate to just give them up. I mean, I... They might come back in style someday, and then, oh, that, that's the dress I wore to prom. And they're like, yeah, but you're 37 years old now. But it still fits. Yeah, well, we'll check your eyewear out, too, while you're at, at that whole thing. It's like, they just go through this whole process. And finally, after all this frustration, they start saying, you know, yeah, yeah, this is, this is working. And then they keep them behind closed doors and bring all their family and friends around. And here comes the big unveiling day, and out. That person walks, and the family just goes ballistic with applause, and they're, I mean, it's, they're transformed. It's a brand new person. You always look at that person's spouse and go, that probably, he, she's probably not going to stay with that bald, fathead guy anymore after <laughs> she looks like that. But uh, you, the transformation is amazing, just amazing. And uh, when, I, when I think about the third chapter of Colossians, I think of that transformation that goes on kind of what Paul was talking about in this third chapter. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along. Or if you're going in the journal, we're, we're going through the book of Colossians, talking about how to build a life. And this third chapter starts to take a turn in Paul's writings 
the first couple chapters are all about his belief system, about Christ, Christology. It's the, it's the theological indicatives, if you want to get real, for some theologue here that probably wants to hear something like that. And he turns to practical imperatives now. He just turns a little corner. Instead of just faith, it's now function. Instead of doctrine, it's discipleship and lifestyle. It's how do you put this into practice? And so in, in chapter 3, we're going to look at um, what to wear and what not to wear. But let's kind of give some background to that in verse 1 through 4. Paul says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. He starts with, since you've, since you've become a Christian, since you've invited Jesus into your life and you've been raised to this new life. So it's not, it's not like he's just going to give all these moral things to do, a moralistic practicality that you've got to fit into some kind of religious system. But since you've come to Christ, here are the implications and the applications of what that looks like. Since you've come to Christ and you've been raised with him. There's two words I love in that little passage. You've been raised with him and you've, you are hidden with Christ. Raised and hidden. Verse 3 says you, you've died with him and you, you're hidden with him. And then you're raised to new life. We don't often think about that, but when, when we accept Christ in our life, we, we enter into his death and his resurrection. So that not only do we believe he died for our sins, but we, we, in a sense, die with him. Not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wipe away my past. Take my old self away and, and hide me in you. Wrap yourself within, with, around me. May your righteousness be my righteousness. So that when I stand before God the Father, he doesn't see all my mess-ups. He sees me wrapped in Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And so it's kind of an, an interesting, you probably have heard people use that, that term before. They're so wrapped up in themselves. They're so wrapped up. He's wrapped up in his career. She's wrapped up in, in tennis or the kids or he's wrapped up in sports or he's wrapped up in the Dodgers, you know, something crazy like that. I can't imagine anybody would be. But So that whenever you see that person, that's what you think of them. They're wrapped up in that. Wouldn't it be great if people would look at our lives and say, she is so wrapped up in Jesus. I mean, you could just see Jesus all around her. He's so wrapped up in Jesus. You can just see Jesus. So we're hidden with Jesus, with Christ, and we're raised up. We're raised to new life. The old life has passed away, and this new life, he actually, he actually puts within us new life. We're a new creature. He lives within us, and it starts to expand a life in a realm that we, we've never before experienced without him. We're raised to this new life. So that he says, you once were dead, now you're alive. You once were in darkness, now you're in light. You once were in bondage, now you're free. You once were a part of, a, of an earthly kingdom, but now you're in a spiritual realm, a spiritual kingdom. You're raised to new life. The best picture of these two words 
is, is portrayed when we do baptism, which in another month or so we're going to be doing. And if you've not been baptized, this is a perfect time. This, this is what it means. When, when you go under the water and you come back up again, you're saying, I believe Jesus died, was on the cross to forgive my sins, and he resurrected again to new life. But more than that, here's what I'm telling you. I accepted Christ in my life, and I died with him. And I'm resurrected to new life. I go under the water. When you, when you put somebody under the water, they're, they're hidden, if you will. You can't see them. They're hidden. They're hidden with Christ. Christ envelops them as the water covers them, and, and you can't see them. And then all of a sudden, boom, out of the water they come, and, they're, and it's symbolic of saying, I'm resurrected. I'm hidden with him, and I'm resurrected to new life. And everybody cheers, and it gets excited. And it's, it's a time of, of rejoicing for, for since that happened, there's a supernatural occurrence that starts in your life of, of him being in you and living in you. So, so he says, because of that, because you've been hidden and resurrected, here's what I, I want to encourage you to do. Set your, set your heart and set your mind on things above. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. And he has a little qualification with it. Set your heart on things above um, like Christ who sits at the right hand of God on his throne. The preeminence, the prominence, the kingship, the lordship of Jesus. All that first chapter that we, that we read through, this great hymn of Christology. All that, that's Jesus. Set your minds on him. He rules in a kingdom that's so different than ours. In fact, set your minds on him, set your hearts on him. Not on earthly things. Not just on our culture, not just on what you know around here, what you can experience. Now, as that gets laid out for us, we, we, we have to we, we wrestle with that a little bit. If you're not a believer in Jesus, you're going, what? That makes no sense. I mean, Jesus up on a throne, and he's the king, and he's, he's the Lord. All I know is what I experience. All I know is my earth in front of me. All I know is, is this kingdom here on earth. This, this is my life. It is what it is. God set set it in motion and I just live it and don't bother me with this stuff and if you're wrestling with that this message is probably not going to hit right home with you but for those who could say since I've been resurrected with Jesus we start to get a, a, a little mindset here now some people will look at this and go get your mind set on the things above this is what it means I'm going to live on the earth like I want to live. I'm going to set my plans. I'm going to have my vision. I'm going to have my strategy. I'm going to put it all together and I'm going to ask God to come bless it. God, come, come help me do what I'm going to do. Help me, help me to live the fullest life on earth as I possibly can. And that's one way to look at it. More traditional way of looking at it is, uh, is some people will say, I'm setting my mind on the things above um, and God... God comes in and he does a work in my life. He forgives me of my sin. And then that's about it until I go to heaven. I get to go to heaven. So Jesus' main job is to come in and fix my messes. And I keep making more messes. And so he just keeps fixing them and forgiving them. And then I go to heaven someday. And then, and then it kicks in. Then the kingdom kicks in. And then, so it's kind of like life insurance. You know, it kicks in when you kick out. You know, it's... <laughs> It, it's, it's off in the distance. Maybe the kingdom of God will, will be there for me. I'll, set, I'll be up in the, in the heavenly then. I think what this is saying is, is yes, definitely he fixes our messes. Yes, he forgives us. 
Yes, he cleans the slate. And yes, he takes us guaranteed to heaven. We have the assurance of going to heaven. That's all true. That's good stuff, is it not? But what about the meantime between coming to Jesus and heaven? What, what's going on then? That's the key of, of building a life. Because in between that time, we build our life on Jesus. In between that time, we fix our gaze on, on those things above. So the kingdom of God is not something that happens at the end of life. The kingdom of God in our life begins when we accept Christ in our heart. That's when the kingdom starts. And that kingdom starts to be alive in us. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As it is in heaven, may it be done here on earth. Connect those two now in my life so that I can live differently. I can live with, with, with heavenly values, with values that are, that are not just dictated to me by this world and this culture, but let it be by what, but what you have to say. And so he, he gives us those words, set your mind, set your hearts on Christ and on the things above. I'm not, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to glance about things above. Just kind of a quick glance, you know. I don't set as much as I'd like to. Come to church and have a quick glance. Come to church once a month or maybe Christmas and Easter just to make sure. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a W&F Christian. Wedding and funerals, you know, just <laughs> quick glance. Is heaven still out there kind of thing? This word set is focus. This is, this is honing in. This is, this is we, uh, we used to have a golden retriever name was Dodger, by the way, um, <laughs> which I don't know if there's a connection. He's in doggy heaven. I don't know if that's a connection with the Dodgers in the World Series, but I'm just, just saying if <laughs> I'm wrapped up in the Dodgers, but um, he, he would set his focus on something and wouldn't let go, especially if it was food set on there. But you throw him something, if a ball went in the pool, he would, he would go around that pool with his eyes set on that thing until he could finally get, he didn't want to get in the water and get wet, but he wanted to keep that. If you, we, could put a, we could put a little doggy cookie on his nose, and he would, he would sit there <laughs> looking at that thing, and he'd be drooling all over because he wanted it, but he wouldn't until we said, okay, go. He would, he would be so set on that thing, set on the things above. Often you'll hear Matt say, Come and, and turn your heart and your, and your minds to Christ when we come here. So we do the, the cross, and we do the, the communion, and we do the, the candles. We worship together. We pray together. We spend time that, that somehow we'll get set on things above. You have all this stuff going on through the week, getting set on things above. When I was growing up in church, there used to be a little phrase that we, we'd throw around for people. We'd say this. They are, they are so heavenly-minded, they are no earthly good. You ever, you ever hear that? So, I mean, these are the people that would sit around and their legs cross and gaze at their navels and hum Bill Gaither tunes and stare off into the distance of heaven until Jesus comes and you're just going, they're weird. They're just weird. They are no earthly good. They're just so heavenly-minded. They'd be in church every stinking day of the week if they could. For the, they're just like, <sighs> we don't say that about people so much anymore. In fact, it's more just the opposite. Most of us now are so earthly-minded, we have no vision of heaven. We're no heavenly good. We have, we have no values of heaven. We just, all our value is this earth. 
Paul says, it ought to be different than that. If you're going to build a life, it doesn't mean you're, you're no longer on earth. You're still on earth, but you, you're, you have a set focus on something above that. And as, he, as he, he looks at our hearts and our minds, which so often have a tendency to drift, he says, bring them back, bring it back, bring it back. And then, he, then it, I just kind of pass over verse 4 all the time. And it ought to be in capital letters, and it ought to be shouted. I mean, we usually read like this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It ought to be this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. That's what it ought to be read. Can you get your mind around that? Think about this. We're hidden with Jesus. We're hidden with Christ. Christ is kind of hidden. In our society, in our culture, in our neighborhoods, Christ is kind of hidden. You don't see Christ around very much. Any, any inkling of Christ is getting pushed away more and more and more, it seems, in our society. Christ seems hidden. We're hidden in Christ. We just seem like we don't exist. We have no authority. We have no, nobody. And no people, if they find out, they make fun of us. We're, we're just kind of hidden. But Paul says, let me just tell you one thing. He won't always be hidden. You can be hidden in him, but when Christ is revealed, when Christ appears, humankind will stand in amazement, gazing at him, falling down on their knees. The earth will shake. Trumpets will sound. He will make his appearance, and everyone will know that Christ is there. Christ, And here he Christ is who is your life. You're hidden in him. You're raised in him. He's your purpose. He's your love. He's your security. He's your hope. He's your life. When Christ, who is your life, you're hidden in him. You're wrapped in him. You're all about Christ. When he makes his appearance, you will appear with him in glory. Wow. Wow. That blows me away. That blows me away. So Paul says, when you live your life, don't just view things on the earth. Don't just view things on a timeline. It's not like God just kind of wound up earth and it's going around and history will finally tick slower and slower and finally tick out and then it's just done. No, this is Jesus who was preexistent before creation. This is Jesus who was the creator. This is Jesus who is the sustainer. This is Jesus who holds the world together, the very world that he made together. This is Jesus who died on a cross first being born in Bethlehem. This is Jesus who came once. He's coming again and you in him, hidden and rise, raised up again in his life, you will appear in glory with him. Can you get your eyes on the eternal? Can you get your eyes beyond Monday, beyond this week, beyond this lifetime? There's so much more life. Glory with him. Well, understanding that, putting all that together, then Paul says in verse 5, these strong words. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Get your eyes focused above, and that stuff that's below, you have to put some of it to death. It's, it's your old orange striped parachute pants that we got to get rid of. You know, that was okay for a while, but it's different now. You've been raised to something better than that. You're, you're, you're in a different kingdom now. You dress differently. So... Put it to death. And then he, 
he, he gets pretty explicit with it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I mean, that sounds like America in the year 2018, does it not? I mean, that's, that's our earthly values right there. That we, we worship at the, at the, at the temple of, of all those things. And I think what's interesting is, Paul says, it's just idolatry. I mean, what's wrong with greed? It, it takes the place of God in, in many lives. It becomes an idol. I mean, we don't have these little wooden idols, these little things that we set up. We, we have stuff that we idolize. I mean, what's more idolized in our culture than, than rampant, free sexual immorality? Just with whoever, whenever, whatever. Watch TV, watch the movies. It's all, it's all, what, it becomes an idol. It's an idol of our culture today. I mean, you go down through this whole list, and, and what Paul says, the problem with it is not even so much the act. Of the, the problem is it, it, it takes the place of God in your life. God becomes secondary. If you, if, you want to, if you have a choice for God and you have a choice for greed, you have a choice for more, you're going to go for more. In fact, advertising companies spent over $183 billion this last year trying to get you to buy their products. $183 billion. If you just buy this product, you'll be complete, you'll be fulfilled, you'll be stronger, you'll be satisfied, you'll be sex-appealed, sexier or whatever, you'll, you'll, you'll be fulfilled, you'll... Just, just why would they spend 183 billion dollars? Because it works. It works. We actually think we feel better with more stuff. We actually get our identity. I know this sounds kind of crazy. We actually get our identity by what we have, what we wear, where we live, what we drive, who we hang out with, where we went to school, what kind of education we got, what kind of business we have, what our kids do, are they on the honor roll or are they on the traveling? We we get our identity from that. Who would ever think that? We get our identity. And it, it are, we're bombarded with that. Bombarded. Speaking of buying stuff, do you know we spent last year in America $331 million on Halloween pet costumes? <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I think that's pretty interesting. <laughs> If you dress your, your dog up like a Dodger dog, though, that's okay. But I. <laughs> he says this in verse 7 You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves. And he has another list, just in case you're, you, you pass the test on those other ones. Rid yourself of all such things. These are your orange parachute plant pants anger, rage, malice, slander. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You used to walk in these ways. You used to walk in these things. Think of it like this. If, if, if it's all about the eternal, if it's all about that which is above, I, I love this world. I love this earth. I love living here. But it's broken. It's, it's wrong. There's, there's, this is not the way it was intended to be when it was created. It's, it's fallen. It's not the way it was intended to be, and it's not the way it's going to be. God 
sent Jesus to fix it, to redeem it, to redeem us. And one day it's going to be redeemed. It's going to be, and it's not going to be the way it is now. So in the, in the world to come, in the life to come, in eternity, in heaven, do you think there's, how, how many lies do you think are going to be told up in heaven? How many angry people just bursting around on anger? Why that angel cut me off? How, how many angry people? How many people seething for revenge? Just bitter people. Just bitter. I'm going to get in heaven. How many gossipers and slanderers? None. So Paul is saying, you can choose to live your old self in your old way for this broken, sinful, beat-up world, or you can start to live like you're going to live for eternity. So here's what I want you to do. Take off your old self. Put to death this. Put to death this stuff. Well, put to death is a little harsh, isn't it? Kill it, Paul says. We like to wound it. We like to put a leash around it, put it in the cage, freeze it so we can thaw it out again. He says, kill it. Get rid of it. Put it to death. That's what I want you to know today. Jesus came and died on the cross to put to death your sins. And to allow you to put to death your old life. That's why he came. Put it to death. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect with all this, but you, your, your minds are set above. And it's like, okay, I don't know, for some reason, the parachute pants found their way back into my, my dresser drawer, hanging in my closet. I've got them on again. I need to get rid of them. I need to, I need to throw them out. Isn't it amazing with, with that What to Wear movie? They, nobody wanted to throw their stuff out. They always want to give it away. It's like, nobody wants that. <laughs> Homeless people don't want your clothes. Don't. In Africa, jungle people, they don't want, they don't want, don't. Get rid of it. There's no need for it anymore. I, I love it in verse 10. Verse 9 says, Have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. When you're putting on this new self, you are being renewed. You're being transformed. You're being changed. You're being metamorphosed. As, as you get knowledge, as you learn more, as you understand more, as you study more, as you read more in the Bible, as you, as you hear more messages, as you study in, in groups and in classes, that knowledge renews your mind and renews your heart and you, you start to live in the image of the creator's intent, the creator intended for you to be. The person, the man, the woman of God, the child of God that we sang about. And then he says over in verse 12, therefore, after you've, after you've put off the old self, taken off the old clothes, therefore as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forget, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All of a sudden, he opens the closet of Jesus. This is, this is Jesus' closet. There's no orange parachute pants in Jesus' closet. It's compassion. It's kindness. It's forgiveness. And not only, not only to treat people that way, but he, he throws that look. Forgive as, as he forgave you. I mean, what if we just put that on, on all those? Be kind as he's been kind to you. Be compassionate as Jesus has been compassionate to you. Be forbear without bear up with as Jesus bears up with you every time you mess up and you keep continue to, to to be gentle like Jesus has been gentle with you. If I could if I could learn in my relationships to love you and to love the people that are so close to me, not because they're lovable, not because they deserve it. Not because this is the way they treated me or this is what they've done for me. But I love you because Christ loved me. I can forgive you because Christ forgave me. I can bear up with a lot of stuff because Christ bears up with me. That's a nice wardrobe. That's an eternal wardrobe. That's a heavenly wardrobe. That's the standard that Paul tells us to set our minds on. Jesus had a best friend other than his disciples. The guy's name was Lazarus. He got real sick one day. They called Jesus to come and heal him. Jesus was pretty good at it in those days. For some reason, Jesus didn't go. He just kind of waited and he waited. Lazarus got sicker and sicker, and finally he died. Still Jesus didn't come. Four days later, Jesus shows up. Lazarus' sisters are ticked. Why didn't you get here earlier? You could have done something. You, even if he, you could have raised him from the dead if you'd got here sooner. He's been dead four days. King James Version says, he stinketh now. That means he's de decomposing. There ain't no hope for him now. We don't even want you to raise him up now. We don't even want this guy around here. He, he's going to be like one of those zombie dudes, you know, and walk. He, we, where were you? The Bible records, I think the only time in the Bible, Jesus loved Lazarus so much, it says, Jesus wept. He just wept. I mean, what does Jesus do when we go through some of our worst times? He, he enters our sorrow. He weeps with us. But he didn't stop there. He goes to the front of the, of the tomb. Doors open. Lazarus has been in there for four days. And he calls out Lazarus. And they say, Jesus, what are you doing? He calls him forth. And Lazarus, Lazarus, comes alive he raises up from the dead after four days and he walks out with his grave clothes this is like the the first record of a mummy this is the halloween thing coming out without with i don't i don't know how if he hopped or if he rolled i don't know but he's got he's all wrapped up and and he's alive now you look at him everybody would look at him it's the same old 
Lazarus. In fact, he still stinketh. He's got these grave clothes, and he stinks. The same old stinky Lazarus standing there in front of him. But something's different. Behind the smell, behind the grave clothes, is a miracle. Jesus did something supernatural in Lazarus. He brought him back to life. He was dead, and now he's alive. And Jesus just says one thing. You're going to have to take, you're going to have to take the grave clothes off. In fact, he tells all the people around there, help him, help him take the grave clothes off. Because you've got a lot of life to live yet. Those grave clothes aren't going to help you. When you come to Jesus, when you accept Christ in your life, I promise you this, Jesus did something supernatural in you. Jesus did a miracle in you. He raised you to new life. And some of you still got some grave clothes on. Some of you still stinketh a bit. You can live that way if you want. But Jesus has a whole new wardrobe. Take off the old. Put on the new. Build a life on Jesus. Hidden in him. Raised up in him. And one day, you'll appear with him in glory. What a day that'll be. Do you stand with me? There's an old song. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to leave it with you. It says this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held still in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus more than anything this world affords today. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.